Though the global pandemic may be slowing things down, Spring Branch is taking tangible steps forward to keep our economy strong, like supporting our local businesses, linking them to free online business courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. Welcome into The Fifth Down, the Houston Chronicles podcast on the Houston Texans. Joining me, I'm Jerome Solomon, columnist for the Houston Chronicle, with Jonathan Alexander, who is the beat writer, covers the NFL and the Texans for the Houston Chronicle. You can check out all of our stuff at HoustonChronicle.com. Please go and do that. Um, it is the offseason, officially, officially now that the Super Bowl is passed and I guess technically it's the offseason began as soon as your team is out of the playoffs or you, uh, and so you're done and teams are working on that. But the league season doesn't begin for a couple of weeks here into March. As we head toward there, people are still getting released and let go at this point with teams. Um, you can re-sign your own free agents, right, Jonathan? So... Uh, the work is never done for teams like the Texans this time, time of the year. Let, let's dive into the free agents uh, on the roster and the priority of who you think is in line first for the uh, contracts that will be given out before open free agency begins around the league and the team gets to, to sign players off other teams that won't happen until mid-March. Yeah, when I look at the free agent list, I think in, in kind of order – of prominence, I, I think Jonathan Grenard is is definitely number one defensive end. He led the team in sacks, fifteen. I mean, twelve and a half sacks, fifteen tackles for loss. D'Amico Ryan spoke about it at the end of season press conference. How he wants to continue to beef up the offense, defensive line, and make it better. And I talked to Nick Casario at the Super Bowl, who said that Jonathan Grenard has done a lot of great things for the Texans during his time there. So having Nick Casario say that, along with D'Amico Ryan's wants and wishes, you know uh, that would seem to indicate that Jonathan Grenard uh, is going to be a priority for them, and he ought to. He's still young, 27 years old, still in his prime. Uh, this would be a second contract. He won't be at the, the very top of the list as far as highest paid, but he'll be up there and and so I think I think it's still reasonable as far as what his salary would command. I think he'd be somewhere around seventeen to twenty million, which is to me for a defensive end is it's not out of the world of Jordan Bosa's who made thirty million. And then you look to guys uh below you got Dalton Schultz tight end who, you know, it's my understanding he wants to be a top ten uh paid tight end in the league, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. I think he was still when I looked at his stats, he was 12th among tight ends in passing and receptions, 12th in, in receiving yards, 10th in touchdowns among tight ends. Um, so he will – he's still young too. He's 27. Sure. Okay. And, uh-huh. he, and and the difference between those guys is Grenard is an in-house guy. was a third-round pick from the Texans in 2020. So he was a Casario guy. That was before Ryan's got here. Ryan's got here. Got to know him, liked him, liked what he brought to the team. So, um, you know, he kind of he gets locked in as a guy that you know they want. Whereas Schultz um, was just signed as a free agent last year. He thought he was going to get a big contract around the league and didn't get it. Decided to bet on himself and took a one-year deal with the Texans. Now he's back on the market again. He proved himself again because he, he's with the Cowboys. He had 
first couple of years, he didn't do much of anything. Then he came into his own and looked pretty solid. And he looked solid again last year. Um, but he's going to get paid like a top 10 tight end. It's just a matter of will the Texans be that team? And they have to sign a top tight end. That's just if if they don't sign Schultz, they're going to have to pay to get somebody or, or they're going to have a hole in their lineup at that position. So you might as well get a guy that you know. Yeah, exactly. You look at teams like the Lions who had success with their rookie, um, Sam Laporta, the tight end. Uh, tight ends are a huge parts of offense, especially you look at the 49ers with George Kittle and the Texans have really modeled their offense being that Bobby Sloyd came from that Mike Shanahan style uh, offense. Um, they've really modeled their offense, so they need uh, a tight end to be effective in their offense. So Don, if they don't, like you said, if they don't re-sign Dalton Schultz, they're going to try to find somebody. And I think Dalton Schultz makes the most sense. Um, also, looking at the rest of their free agents, you got um, Blake Cashman, who I think they could get for a reasonable price. He was their best line or most consistent linebacker throughout the year. I think they can get him for a reasonable price. Um, but I look at guys like Steven Nelson, I think he'd be a little bit more difficult. He wants to be paid, and he's going to be 31 years old. And uh, Nick Casario in his history hadn't really paid uh, uh, Steven Nelson. Um, I don't know. I think they might be more willing to go younger over there. Um, Sheldon Rankins, I think he's a guy who still reasonable age, defensive tackle, was a huge part of helping turn around that run defense. I think he's a guy that they got to resign. And I think unless they decide they want to upgrade, there are some good defensive tackles out there. And if they want to spend that money, they could go younger at defensive tackle and sign guys like a, look at a guy like Christian Wilkins, um, who was a free agent. Uh, there's some other guys. Uh, Ravens defensive tackle. We talked about him at an, early, at an earlier podcast. I think that there's potentials to upgrade there, but they still want to focus there. So those are two guys. Something has to be done there to shore up the middle of that defensive line. And that, as you, as you mentioned, that's a priority for um, D'Amico Ryans. And you didn't mention Devin Singletary. Clearly, um, he proved that he could be a lead back um, for the team last year in, in his production, especially since he didn't even start the first seven games of the season. Now, whether they wanted to pin on him being just the lead back is another question, but it seems that they're going to have to do something. Well, that seems they're going to have to either bring him back or go out and get a top-notch running back. Um, and I know fans are looking at a Derrick Henry who's um, re- released from the Titans and highly unlikely that he'll go back there. He's going to be out on the open market. What does he have left? What does he bring to a team? Is he a viable option for a team like Nexus? Yeah. I, and you, you bring up a great point with uh, Devin Singletary. I think he's one of the more interesting cases because you look at him, he didn't play, he didn't start the entire season. So how would he look if he started the entire season at the same time, there were games where even when he was starting, they weren't, uh, you know, great. Like, Bobby Sloan's offense has to have the running game. I think Devin Singletary definitely has that that ability. I think that um, he's a selfless guy, uh, and I think you could play him and Damian Pierce. And if if they can, they need to. They really do need to develop Damian Pierce and figure out what they have in him or trade him. One of the two. Um, but I, I do think 
those two potentially, if you start Devin Singletary off the year, you could have a, a good one-two punch if, if Damian Pierce could go into his own. Um, but also there's a contract situation. You know, teams haven't been willing to pay running backs. Um, and Devin Singletary is definitely going to be wanting to pay more than what he's paid last year. So I, I don't know. To me, that he's one of the ones who I just don't know about. I know they like him. I, I know they like what he brings. But just the, the state of the running back this year, I don't, I don't, he's one of the ones who I'm unsure of what's going to happen. Yeah. You, you, you don't get the sense that they would expect him to be the bell cow. Like, okay, we, we're going to depend on him to lead our running game going forward for the next couple of seasons. So they won't pay him like that. Um, and, but I don't think any team will pay him like a number one lead back, but he's important enough to what they did and what they have right now that, it's either him or you're going to replace him with someone better, and it's it's going to cost you a lot to do better than what you have with him, right? Yeah, it it, it definitely will unless you unless you decide you want to go uh, younger in the draft and draft somebody in the third or, four, or fourth round, and they have a number of fourth round picks. But you also taking a chance that guy might not be ready uh, year one. But yeah, guys like Saquon Barkley, guys like uh, Jacobs. Um, with the Raiders who are, who are projected to be free agents, they're going to cost more than $10 million per year. And um, there's always a chance you're taking when you pay a running back who will have shorter shelf lives. It's always a chance when you pay them that much money and teams haven't been willing. I think running back is like the only position who who hasn't really, the average per year hasn't gone up at all um, in recent years. So, uh, running backs being devalued, so I don't, I don't know. That's that's going to be a tough one to see. But you're right. I don't think many teams are going to be wanting to pay Devin Singletary a lot of money, which could go in the Texans' favor, and they might be able to get Devin Singletary uh, to be resign to resign him for a reasonable deal. Yeah, because he's he's a really good player, but special. I I wouldn't describe him as a special player or an elite player. I guess is a uh, a better way of putting it but he's really good in the Texans offense and he's really good um, in on this roster and how it's constructed and the offense that they run. He fit in well. And obviously he spent a lot of time in the locker room. He gets along well in the locker room. He's a good uh, glue guy for the team. So you know, they want him back, but at, at what cost and will, will he get one of those crazy offers some of the work somewhere else around the league um, in a year where there aren't a whole lot of, super running backs around but as you said it's not even just that it's just teams aren't willing to pony up that much money for running backs because you can find you can find a Devin Singletary because the Texans found one last year <laughs> on the open market it's it, you guys guys of that ability or that level are out there but I'm also of the mindset that why go find one when you already have one yeah for sure and Last thing on on Devin Singletary, you you mentioned like locker room, definitely one of the best locker room guys. Never complained, even when the Texans should have went with him earlier in the season when it was clear that he was the better back and they needed to go away from Damian Pierce. You never heard Devin Singletary complain, even even privately. <laughs> uh, he was a, a guy who really was a mentor, I would say, to Damian Pierce and, and encouraged him and had good words to say for him uh, going into off season. Um, also, other free agents, look at you got the special teams on Kaimi Fairbear. Texas got to pay him. Cam Johnson, punter Cam Johnson. Those are guys who are going to be crucial. Um, you know, 
do the Texans pay their veterans who have gotten the job done the last two years, or do they go younger? I think it makes more sense to pay those guys. Yeah, because um, the, the, you know those guys kickers don't make enough that they cause you you know any distress salary cap wise. And the Texans aren't any serious salary cap salary cap issues right now uh, anyway. But uh, you know you much rather be de- have guys who are dependable right there, and you know what you have, even if it's for a few extra hundred thousand. Uh, as opposed to going "quote unquote" younger and taking a chance on someone who who may not deliver. I mean, it's just yeah, you got you got to go with what you know in that sense. And and so uh, those two guys have leverage on the Texans in that they they know what they do, they know what they bring to the table, and they're they're probably not trying to break the bank necessarily either. But they they like what they have in this situation. I, that's, I, that's one of those where it's mutually beneficial from both sides to get something done because it's not worth going outside and trying to fix what isn't broken. Exactly. And you, and you saw it during the season when Kaimi Fairbairn went out with that injury and they had to go uh, to Matt Amendola. Matt Amendola did get the game when they fell over at Bengals, but there were games right after that where he struggled and he missed um, some, some kicks that he shouldn't have missed. Now, of course, the 58-yarder was a tough one. Um, but there were some kicks that he missed that Kaimi Fairbairn would have been automatic on. I think Kaimi only missed one field goal during the regular season. All of those kicks are those. I mean, in, in the in today's NFL, every kick is a potential game-winning kick, whether it's the last thirty seconds of the game or it's in the second quarter. These these points are at a premium, and it's it's just it's a tough spot to put a kicker in. And when you got a guy like Kaimi, I mean, who you know he handles the pressure well. You you, you don't go away from that because the first thing you do, then you have to go find someone else. And, and why well, do that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he, and yeah. So I I agree. I think they got to sign those guys. I think those are to me of the those are the guys that they have to resign. And um, so where I do you that, where do you put a Denzel Pyramid on the list? I saw Denzel. All right, here's the thing about Denzel. I think. On any other year, the Texans would not re-sign Denzel Perriman because he struggled so much in the past in, in past defense. Like they had to, they literally would take him off the field on obvious passing downs because he was he struggled. Um, it's it's really no way to sugarcoat it. He was great against the run defense, but he was really bad against pass defense. But but when you look at the free agent market, there aren't a lot of free agent middle linebackers who you can go get to be clear upgrades. So the Texans might end up having to to take uh, to resign Denzel Perryman, um, and and because he wasn't a stud across the board, the market for him probably isn't going to be that great either. So he, he yeah he he may get I don't know if he, he may get a better deal somewhere else to go to a, a losing team, but he won't get such a big, big deal somewhere else that would make him want to leave the Texans. Is is it, and that's me saying this is is this one of those situations most likely it'll be um, up to him to decide if he wants to, or, or up to the Texans to decide if they want to make an offer for him or not, because they make an offer, he'll probably take it. Yeah. I, I think they would uh, make him an offer. I just don't think it would be an offer greater than what he was making last year. And then it'll be up to him to decide what he prioritizes. Does he prioritize money more or, or, or is he all right with taking a more reduced role? Because I do think you'll see, Blake Cashman, and I think I think you'll see the Texans go with a lot of nickel 
and Blake Cashman and Christian Harris want to field a lot more with um, Denzel Perryman having a reduced role. Because um, I think Perryman is about, is over 30 at this point. So it's not like he's going to get a lot better. Uh, he, he could maintain what he was doing. But um, Blake Cashman is younger. Christian Harris got better as the season went on. Those guys are going to end up seeing the field a lot more. So it'll just be up to Denzel Perryman what he values. what he th- Does he think Texas is still the right fit for him? Um, and and he probably doesn't want to do a one year deal because he this is you know he's he is thirty one he's played nine years so uh, you know he's he's at that point where either he's going to just start doing one year contracts until uh, he's out of the league or if he gets lucky and a team sides into a little two three year deal now even though the last year may not be guaranteed that'll be better than risking it all on a one year deal at I won't say league minimum but he you know he's not like he's going to break the bank either. Yeah, to me, it makes more sense for him to go to a different team. So I do, I do think the Texans would end up, and then they also have Henry Toto, who they hope will get better. Um, who had an up and down year in his rookie season, and he was a fourth round pick. So it's, it's only but so much you can expect. I think fourth or fifth. Um, but um, you know, the hope is that he can improve, and and perhaps the Texans will look for maybe a, a backup to re- to replace and then rely on Henry Toto to, to kind of step into that role. So I, I think it's more likely that Denzel Berryman would go with a different team. Yeah. Um, and this time next week, you'll be in uh, Indianapolis for the Combine or Cranks Up. It's uh, always a fascinating time for people who are really draft Knicks who dive into all of these uh, players coming out of college and what they bring to the table. The Texans don't have a top five pick like they've had in recent years and certainly last year where they ended up uh, because of the trade getting uh, two of the top three picks in the draft but but without even diving much into it we'll talk about some of those draft guys next week after you get out there and the Texans start uh, talking to players Uh, one of the fascinating stories that came from last year's draft was the evaluation of CJ Stroud and the testing etc and there's always controversy about the Wonderlick exam and what does it actually mean? Does it turn, does it say that a quarterback can play quarterback in the NFL or not? And there's plenty of evidence that it's just a test, just to be testing. Um, talk about the one test that CJ Stroud did so poorly on that people made fun of him for and questioned his uh, NFL IQ. And we came to find out that one, the test was taken out of context and people that do the exam said it shouldn't have been used against him and clearly CJ Stroud is a high level high IQ level football player with a deep memory I saw him on a podcast during the Super Bowl and 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 this sounds like you know nutty but it really jumped out at me because I know a lot of players couldn't do this he was the guy said something about the sixth game of the season, just randomly thrown out there. And Stroud was like, oh, we played against so-and-so. Like he knew who exactly the sixth game of the season was against because he has that retention, that mind. I mean, I tell you, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are like that, where I think stories of Peyton Manning can tell you about a particular play in the third quarter of a game in back in college, you know, 25 years ago, that, that, that kind of recall is, special and obviously cj stroud has that that talk about the stories you've written about that particular exam 
Yeah, you brought brought up a great point. You know, the CJ Stroud his S two test scores um, got leaked, and I think a lot of people kind of misconstrued like the test. They kind of mix it up with the Wonderlick test. Um, you know, the S two test measures how fast players process things, but when CJ Stroud's scores got leaked, uh, it should have been noted that um, that the S two had flagged his score as to 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 teams to take it with a grain of salt that he might have reported um, that he had a long day, didn't really feel like testing, um, and might have, you know, skimmed through the test results, didn't take it as serious because he had such a long day. Um, but regardless, his his test scores were flagged because of that reason. And, um, you know, S, the S2 test makers, I talked to Brandon Ally in November, and, and they were pretty upset that somebody leaked his scores because it made it seem like they, huh, you know, had leaked his scores. But, um, that that wasn't exactly the case, um, and that did have an effect on CJ. Those leaked scores, and the Panthers definitely took his scores into account when deciding to pick Bryce Young, and uh, found out um, this last weekend that, or last week that um, CJ the the agency that represents CJ Stride athletes first told his prospects not to take the. Um, S2 tests as long as uh, along with the Wonderlick test and other tests um, because uh, they saw the effect that it had on CJ Stroud and, and, and the, the fact that not not the test in general, but the fact that these scores can get leaked. That was their mission in, in, in the email uh, to NFL teams that that there is no confidentiality with these scores. And these scores can be uh, evaluated uh, and, and kind of poked and prodded and, and, and taken out of context and can affect their prospects negatively. And they don't want that to happen. And um, the people at at, uh, at least first talked to S2 and told them of their decision. And I think they're in, in, in good standing and they understand where they're coming from. Um, you know, the people at S2 couldn't help that somebody leaked their scores because it goes out to all the teams. So it's, you can only imagine a team wanting CJ to drop down uh, or a team uh, wanting to look better at their draft pick would would, uh, would probably they could score. I'm just saying that is that, that could potentially happen. Right. And the, the, the situation last year with um, CJ Stride and Bryce Young were considered by the vast majority of the uh, NFL experts and scouts and general managers said us to be the two best quarterbacks and there is a there is some distance between what most consider the third or fourth best quarterback. Um and there are a few teams that had them not number one. Um but the majority of the teams had those two as one and two. Um and on this test the scores that leaked out was Stroud scored only eighteen out of one hundred uh and Bryce Young scored ninety eight. So it's almost impossible for a team not to consider that as a factor. If you, if you're comparing players, you compare everything. And that's one of the things that you would, I mean, you have to look at it. And the thing is, is like, do you, is the test valid of the, what does the test prove? Does the test show anything? And clearly after a season where CJ Stroud was arguably the greatest rookie season in NFL history and certainly one of the top two or three without argument. Um, his being the worst score of all of the rookie quarterbacks coming into last year's uh, draft 
in draft process, uh, that test didn't tell you anything about CJ Stroud. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, and you mentioned it at that po- that podcast he did on the athletic was just, uh, you know, just spoke to his his knowledge of the game and how defenses work um, work and um, you know his preparation. You know, he talked to his teammates. They say he's always one of the most prepared players and he's always kind of suggesting hey let's tweak this route uh in this game plan you know one thing we know about cj is he's intelligent and he processes pretty quickly and maybe he's just not a great test taker uh but yeah um you know that's when teams to 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 do their research and and see uh whether a quarterback can become great uh despite a test score so yeah. And it's one of those two where, like you said, I mean, he was tired and, you know, how do you do on a test and how much do you, you know, value do you put on a test when a guy didn't put in, you know, a hundred percent effort on it. And you also could go, well, if he didn't put on you to present 10 percent effort into something this important, what does that say about a guy? I, I know there were stories last year um, where uh, you know people were quoting anonymously, of course, because they always do that. Uh, a non-obs NFL executive who's like, you know, I wouldn't draft this guy because, you know, he's it, he scored that low on the test. He can't be that good. Uh, well, they were all just wrong, you know. <laughs> and it, it's uh, so it'll be interesting. And, and it's always been that way. I mean, with the uh, Wonder Look has been this S two is a pretty relatively new test to the league, but the Wonder Look has been around a long time. And these guys take it expecting that um, data to be private but it never is and always gets leaked and held against people and at the end of the day it's it's how well do you play football and and as a quarterback yeah you have to be super intelligent and um uh be able to retain information and process it this test is not like you said it's not an intelligence test cj stride is very intelligent and clearly he processes information and he retains it and he processes it quickly on the field because the guy is able to um to you know call plays and see what's happening and read defenses and go to check downs etc when he needs to so often he led the league in fewest uh, interception or his interception percentage just he really is a, a sharp player we'll dive into that um a little bit later I'm sure during the off seasons we uh start breaking down some of the individual players and what we like about them but real real quick just do, do talk about um how unique of a player CJ Stroud is. Yeah, I mean, for somebody to come in their rookie season on a team that was among the worst uh, offensive teams in the NFL and to help to come in and become a leader um, in year one and um, to put on what he did have arguably one of the greatest rookie seasons of all time was just uh, you know, he had a historic season, 23 touchdowns, only five interceptions, led the league in passing yards per game, uh, was third overall, third um, passing, third most passing yards for a rookie in NFL. I mean, he won Offensive Rookie of the Year, and, and there was no question about it that he should have won that award. Um, he's just a smart, intelligent player who has skills, and, and he's becoming a star, as you can see. NBA All-Star Weekend, uh, softball celebrity tournament MVP. Uh, he's he's everything that the Texans uh, were ho- hoping for and more. And along with Will Anderson, they got two key leaders and two key pieces. 
that they hope can kind of lead them in this right direction as they continue to try to build off what was one of their most successful seasons in recent history. Uh, finally, before we shut down this episode, have you, have you been enjoying? Are you doing the TMZ life now? You you following CJ Stride around to see who he's dating and uh... stop. You know what? I, 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 that's one area that I think I'm going to leave to anybody else who wants to, whoever CJ, and you can see how kind of with TMZ, like people will get stuff wrong. You don't, Amber Rose kind of put out there that they weren't even dating. So I think I'm going to stay out of that. And, and, uh, <laughs> you got to stick to football. <laughs> stick to football. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's so silly. And, and, those kind of things are, but that that's what happens when you have popular players. You know, nobody nobody wrote one word about who uh, Davis Mills was dating, <laughs> or what where where Davis Mills hanging out at nights or whatever he's doing. And CJ's trying to show him to be um, the a sharp young man and whatever mistakes he may make down the road in life. But it's it is what'll happen and what has happened to, to so many. Is is it any of our business? You know, no, it's not. I mean, you know, and, and, until he started demanding that he brings his dates into the huddle with him, uh, <laughs> what he does and who he hangs out with is of no one's concern, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, that'll wrap up this fifth down. Jonathan Alexander, Jerome Solomon, do check out all of our coverage of the Texans. Jonathan will be at the combine in Indianapolis next week as the Texans and other teams around the league are evaluating prospects for the upcoming draft. Free agency will begin in mid-March. So the Texans will be able to re- the, actually can re-sign their old players before the end or come to agreements with them and then uh, start looking around the league to upgrade across the board. Very interesting time for them. Yeah, the real games are not till September, but they're playing some big-time games here in the next few weeks as they try to put together the roster for the 2024 squad. Hey, thanks to Pioneer Audio for producing today's podcast. And do go wherever you get us from. Like us, subscribe to us. Let us know that you're into what we're doing here on The Fifth Down. And we will catch you next week right here.